Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And Rick Klein has decided to leave us. Uh, I mean, let me clarify. Rick is on vacation. Um, we think he's on vacation anyway. We expect him back. Uh, I offered to call him or wherever he is. I don't know if he's on a beach or if he's out back in Vegas again dealing with that gambling habit. But, uh, but uh, he's not picking up his phone. Uh, so we have a... Um, a very specific topic we want to discuss or I want to discuss with uh, with some other colleagues of mine here at ABC uh, on this edition of Powerhouse Politics, and that is the Omarosa saga, um, which has, during a very otherwise slow week in Washington and really in news generally, has absolutely dominated everything. I had a sense that this story was um, a- a- about to go away. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, the um, Omarosa did her interview on NBC on Sunday, on uh, the Today Show on Monday. She released a, a couple of tapes, and I kind of expected that the story might go away. And then we got a lifeline, uh, or Omarosa got a lifeline from the President of the United States and his campaign. Suddenly, we see the campaign is taking legal action to try to enforce the nondisclosure agreement that she signed. Uh, during the campaign to, to, to force her to stop talking. Uh, that certainly gave the story uh, uh, some more oxygen. And the president of the United States, the president of the United States has come out and um, quite savagely uh, attacked Omarosa, uh, calling her a dog, calling her a lowlife, uh, calling her a crying lowlife, uh, calling her wacky, calling her a whole, whole range of, of names. Um, I... Don't know um, if uh, if that helped uh, his cause because because uh, that suddenly gave the story even more legs, and now people are wondering um, if this is appropriate language uh, from the president of the United States. So I had a chance to put that question to Sarah Sanders at the White House briefing yesterday. Uh, Sarah, we, we've heard from the president uh, via Twitter on Omarosa, describing her as crazed, a crying lowlife, a dog. Is this any way for a president to talk about any American, let alone somebody that he hired and made the highest-ranking African-American woman that served in his White House? Uh, I think the president is certainly voicing his frustration uh, with the fact that this person has shown a complete lack of integrity, particularly by the actions following her time here at the White House. Why did he hire her? I mean, why didn't he hire somebody he's describing as a dog? As Look, a the president one. wanted uh, to give her a chance, and he uh, made clear when General Kelly came on, and he voiced concerns uh, that this individual what didn't have the best interest of the White House and the president and the country at heart. Uh, the president said, do what you can to get along. And if you can't, uh, he gave him full authority to carry out the decision to let her go. Uh, there was an interesting defense to this uh, that was offered um, uh, by uh, by one of the uh, president's former campaign advisors who uh, does not consider him a racist and a bigot. I uh, was defending him on this and saying that he's called all kinds of people dogs, white men, left and right, dogs, Um and so I want to discuss that, but but I, I we are very fortunate here at ABC to be able, on a time like this, to bring in two people who know more about what was going on during that campaign, uh, who have an understanding of Donald Trump, of Omarosa, of the relationship, uh, probably as 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 much as as anybody in our world. Uh, we have the great uh, Candace Smith. 
uh, who was an uh, embedded reporter on the Trump campaign. Candace, are you with us? Hi, John. You also, of course, covered the uh, the great campaign of Jeb Bush, and uh, now you're working Never for forget. Nightline. But we knew we could throw a lifeline and talk to you because uh, you were in, 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 you know, you you had a very good sense. You traveled all over the country um, covering Donald Trump. I think the only other person who probably traveled with him more is sitting next to me, and that is John Santucci, embedded reporter in the Trump campaign. Both of you here. Alive. Reunion. Alive. This is a reunion. This it, is a it, big it's deal. It's scary. We don't get together often anymore. It's a little weird for both of us. So I want to um, I want to ask you about Omarosa and get, get your perspective on this. But first, before I leave this notion of the latest round of insults from the president of the United States uh, towards his, his former apprentice star, his former uh, – campaign supporter, campaign employee, his former senior staffer um, at the White House. This, this this notion, John, was that he's called a lot of people a dog, right? So, yeah, I mean, this was a, a claim made by Lynn Patton in an interview on cable the other night uh, where she said there were many examples, said Mitt Romney, uh, said Robert Patton. You know, you, you have this book that I know you've been obsessed with for the last couple of weeks uh, that there has been other times the president has called people a dog, but like a dog. Now, he called Omarosa a dog, really raising the volume here on anything he's done previously in this respect. And I mean, you just have some examples here of other times that he's used that phrase. Um, but it's a little different in this Omarosa case. It, it, it's definitely hitting a little harder than we've seen him quite recently. Yeah, just to be clear, uh, like a dog is a phrase he uses a lot. Um, you, you remember uh, when he talked about Mitt Romney, uh, after Romney, uh, you know, uh, one, one of the many times Romney attacked him, he countered and said Mitt Romney had his chance uh, to beat a failed president, but he choked like a dog. He said that uh, David Gregory, our old friend from NBC, was thrown off TV by NBC like a fired like a dog. Do you Glenn fire Beck, a dog? Glenn Beck was fired like a dog. Um, Mubarak was dropped like a dog by. Uh, you know, it's interesting. It's often things that dogs don't do. actually do. Yeah. I've never dropped a dog, have you? Or fired a dog. No. Anyway, no. Uh, but I don't see him actually calling somebody. Anyway, this, this is a relatively minor point. But the thing I want to get at is I want to really tr- truly try to gauge whether her charges have credibility, whether or not she has credibility. Um, by the way, she had been booked to come on this podcast. I think uh, CBS had promoted that she was going to be on their show this morning. Um, Candace, I get a sense that uh, she has gone a little quiet now, perhaps as this uh, as as her lawyers try to deal with this challenge from the president's uh, campaign. Yeah, exactly. I want to I want to touch on what she said, though. It was interesting because it almost seems like the president was in a unique position where he I think people could have a little empathy for him. Here was a senior staffer who had been with him who had defended him and was now coming out with all these accusations. I mean, Omarosa, you know, recording audio to begin with is a serious breach of trust and and certainly protocol. So I think the president at first was in an interesting position where I think people could empathize with him. And now I think, of course, that he's gone to Twitter and and leveled this particular attack, which, of course, people have have called all sorts of things, including misogynistic and racist, has put him back, you know, on the defensive when I think he was in a position that he's not often in. So what you 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 actually engaged Amorosa quite a bit during the campaign what was her role? Because I, I have to admit, I, you know, I, I I covered the campaign as 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 a as a correspondent. I spent time covering the Clinton campaign. I was I was kind of you know all over 
different aspects of, of the campaign. Omarosa is not somebody that I actually engaged very much during the campaign, but 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 I know you you were in regular contact with her. What what was her role? So she had an interesting role as part of uh, she was part of their coalitions or their outreach efforts. So she basically came in to sort of be a messenger to to the black community to have President Trump's ear when it came to the various coalitions they were trying to court, especially as it. Uh, had to do with the African-American community. She was with him at a few churches. Uh, she would go, she would uh, host a few outreach events, not not very many. But but so her goal was specifically when it came to the African-American community and then her role in her role as an office of public liaison, she touts her work, you know, dealing with HBCUs and and, and historically so, black colleges. And yes, universities. yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, prison reform. Um, but during the campaign, it was interesting because as we all know, they've known each other for years since The Apprentice uh, back in the early 2000s. Uh, they both have called each other friend. Um, in her book, she details uh, all the different interactions that they had. So they, they knew each other well. But I think it's important to note that Omarosa was not at the upper echelons of the campaign. She wasn't as involved as a Paul Manafort or Corey Lewandowski or even his children. Uh, she interacted with him in, in very specific ways. So uh, this this latest accusation uh, of him knowing about WikiLeaks, I, I can't say that she would have been in a position to know about that. Well, but, I, I want to get to that. I want to ask you about that, John. But, mm-hmm. but Candace, first, picking up on uh, on your description of her during the campaign and knowing her uh, as you did during the campaign and watching her interactions, were you surprised that she turned turncoat? You know, she Omarosa had a very interesting quote in our last interview with her from December where she says, my only loyalty is to myself and God. And I think that that is her calling card that has been her calling card throughout her career. When she came on The Apprentice, she famously said that she wasn't here to make friends. And so I think any anyone that she characterizes as a friend, especially within the political and business realm, one has to take that with a grain of salt. Uh, Donald Trump has helped her, um, obviously, through her career. Uh, but I think so Omarosa had been expressing doubt about President Trump for a while now, ever since Charlottesville, where she talked about being uncomfortable with his response to that. Uh, she's been trying well, to dis- now, just because she, she said she was uncomfortable with his response. But that's something that we didn't know at the time. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, right. and, and that's where I think this is all really important, John, because you have to remember for the president when he was a candidate, he fought tooth and nail not to expand his campaign. He bragged about how small, lean machine it was. And when Him he had and Hope it, Hicks and that's it. Corey, Corey Lewandowski, and their advanced guys, Keith Schiller, his body man. That was Michael it. That Glassman was the Fantastic Four somewhere, four, the, yeah, somewhere around yeah. there hiding. But, you know, what, what was interesting is that when Trump had to expand the campaign, he got uncomfortable, right? There were people he didn't know. He didn't know politics, didn't understand why he needed a policy team or these people to be with him so he, he had a poster for a few minutes a, a little bit yeah he got rid of that person too yeah. and then brought another one in that he yeah. didn't know made him uncomfortable but when Omarosa entered the picture though she didn't have a high profile role she had one thing loyalty to trump and that's something that we know he is valued more than anything. If you walk the halls of Trump Tower, that 26th floor, he brags about how long people have been there. That guy's been with me for 20 years, 30 years. She's been with me the day I opened Trump Tower. That is the president's calling card above all else. So for Omarosa, for every fault against her, the one thing Trump felt that she brought, loyalty. 
And she knew the family. I remember I, I, I brought Eric Trump uh, to the White House Correspondents' Dinner um, in uh, in 2016 mm-hmm. as, as my guest, and, and he saw her and it was like a little, they were very excited to see each other. Anyway, he, he, he seemed to, the family seemed to know her as well, which was not the case with a lot of the uh, the, the political people. And she was sure. vicious. She was nasty, mm-hmm. as, as he's described her, and he loved that. Uh, the fact that she was a bulldog for him. I, I think, you know, we we can't sort of overstate how unpopular her move into Donald Trump's campaign was with the African uh, with the African American community. Though she, her role was director of African American Outreach and, and the vice chair of the Diversity Coalition, she was not a popular, was, is not a popular figure in the African American community. But the fact that she would so vociferously support Donald Trump in the face of all that adversity, that upped her, you know, her, her stakes with him even more, the fact that she could support him, uh, even against, I mean, she got so much public hate. I mean, we, we all know mm-hmm. what we saw. We see it still to this day. And she had a, she had a thin skin. She didn't, that, that, uh, that, that did not intimidate her anyway. But it's interesting. She worked, and I don't know how widely known this is, but but she worked on the on the Gore campaign. I right. mean, in the Gore White House, briefly. Um, and you know, I mean, Donna Brazil talks about she she worked for Donna Brazil when she was campaign manager, um, and they 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 still have a relationship. So yeah, so there's, you know, her her you can never really kind of get a sense of where the political uh, center of gravity was mm-hmm. with uh, with Omarosa, and you know where it was again. I, I have loyalty to myself, and and I guess she has loyalty to God. On on this on the credibility question, so I'm I'm of two minds here looking at this and, and assessing how significant the story itself is. On the one hand, um, this is somebody who told us right after she left the White House that she didn't believe Donald Trump was a racist, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, uh, that she would never go work for a racist. Um, there are, on the other hand, you know, and there, and there are other, many other reasons to raise questions about her credibility. On the other hand, um, if you listen to Candace describe her role in the campaign, it was one of outreach. Um, and she was brought into the White House at a very high level. And she was the only high-level staffer in that White House who was African-American. I mean, the, the, we, um, there was an analysis of the top 55 paid staffers. Uh, six, only six are, are, are minorities. Not one of them anymore uh, is African-American. So... You know, he was the one that bestowed credibility on her, and specifically on the issue of outreach to African Americans, to minorities. And when that person with that job then comes out and says, "You're a racist. You're a bigot." I mean, it, it's a big problem. I mean, no doubt about it. And I think the fact that, you know, I think the response that we've seen, you know, every reaction draws draws a reaction, right? I mean, I think that what we've seen the last couple of days is the sheer panic in this. I think that not only what she's saying, but what she's proving in these audio tapes, I think that that is something that is quite jarring to the president and his team. It will be interesting what impact it has. And as you and I were talking about offline, you know, remember, the president does like to create a villain. And we know that from her the reality show days, I mean, she was she's fired three villain. times. Perfect. She's a perfect villain. She was right out of central casting. So I, and I'm not sure, and Candace, it's your take on, on these tapes. I'm not sure we've seen anything really proved yet. Um, and may, maybe she's got more tapes. I don't know. She but certainly has intimated that she has. She suggested she has. Um, she's, you know, we, we heard the tape of her getting fired uh, 
by John Kelly. She suggested she felt threatened, etc. I think we could we could debate the interpretation. It sounded to a lot of people as kind of a traditional firing. Um, we have the tape of the president calling afterwards and saying that uh, you know he didn't realize she was fired and he was not too happy about it. Um, I mean that doesn't really show much. She says that she heard this tape of, 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 of the president saying the N-word and the apprentice, but that's not – she doesn't even mention that in the book. She said mm-hmm. in the book she hadn't seen it. So I'm not, I'm not sure what she's actually proven yet, but her words, again, because of her position matter. Now, John, you, you mentioned earlier this allegation that she's made now that she – that the president knew that WikiLeaks had these hacked Democratic mm-hmm. emails. I mean – she doesn't even mention that in the book. Right. I mean, and that's so part of the frustration here. How are we to believe that? Sure. I, I think a lot of those details are quite frustrating because, you know, again, she's on this book tour. How many times she said, talk about the book, talk about the book. But then she's throwing these random nuggets out there. And it's like, well, why is so this in your book? We have two of the most so explosive, explosive allegations she's right. made so are not one in is, book. One is the WikiLeaks claim. The other is that she claims she's been interviewed by special counsel Robert Mueller. So working in reverse order here. I don't think there is a way that she would have known if the president or others knew that these WikiLeaks emails were coming. You know, this was something that he said at a campaign stop, and Candace will remember this. He said right to camera, hey, yeah, Russia, Russia, if you're listening, release the emails, put them out there. Let's go, guys. So the fact that that has been a key part of the special counsel's investigation, the fact that that could be a threat to the president, to the first family, to other members of that echelon, if the president knew about that, that plays right into the heart of Russia collusion. That's how Amorosa knows that she's definitely twisting the screws here. And and, and I, I have to say, you and I have spent a lot of time uh, working, reporting on things surrounding the special counsel investigation. Yep. I mean, a lot of time. Yep. You don't and, have to remind me, John. It's been exhausting. Yes. <laughs> I have never once had anybody invoke the name Amarosa. John, we, we have known that there is somewhere around 30 people in the White House that have been contacted and then went for interviews with the special counsel. I've been reporting on it like you from day one. I have never heard Amarosa's name from anyone. Now, to be fair, she did leave the White House in December of 2017. So she could have been, been interviewed since. But regardless, any member of the West Wing that went and met with Mueller. Remember, if you go to meet with Bob Mueller, it's not like you just show up. They want documents. They want records. They want your emails. They want your phones. In theory, they would have to go to the White House if they wanted Omarosa's government emails. And my my point is broader whether or not she ultimately had an interview with somebody. I mean, who who knows? After she left, maybe, maybe not. But I'm just saying that I've never heard her mentioned as somebody who would have been a key figure in this investigation, period. She's never been a player in the room in these sorts of conversations or details. And the fact that she's now going there... You can raise a lot of questions as to why now, and the fact, again, as you rightly know, it's not in the book is quite, for lack of a better so, word, peculiar. Well, she talks about the special count at the very end of her book. She does mention that she's been contacted by the FBI. Been contacted, but then to push it further and say it's an interview are two very different things. Correct. But more more to the point is her her allegation that the president knew about the emails. And now do you think that would have been something that she would have gotten around? I have no uh, – I, I don't think she would have. I mean, Candace, it's, defer it's, to you. Yeah, no, that's that's hard for me to imagine. Like I said, she they 
talked about very specific things, about her opinion on the campaign, about her opinion when it came to coalitions. It, it strikes me as odd that she would have been involved in those conversations. And, and I would just note that at a lot of points during the campaign, as we both will remember, Omarosa was on the road working a lot both with the African-American coalition. But Candace, you remember, she was on uh, the Trump uh, uh, Women for Trump tour mm-hmm. for quite a period of yeah, time. Yeah, she appeared with Laura Trump multiple times. Okay, so I, we're almost out of time, but before we go, I want to play one more uh, exchange from the White House briefing with Sarah Sanders. Sarah, have you asked the president if he's ever used the N-word? Uh, the president uh, addressed that question directly via Twitter. I'd refer you back to him. I can certainly say I've never heard him use uh, that term or anything have similar. Have you asked him directly, Sarah? The president, I didn't have to because he addressed it to the American people yeah. all at one time. Why haven't you asked him directly? Uh, again, the president answered that question directly uh, on Twitter earlier today. Can you stand at the podium and guarantee the American people they'll never hear Donald Trump utter the N-word on a recording in any context? Uh, I can't guarantee uh, anything, but I can tell you that the president addressed this question directly. I can tell you that I've never heard it. Uh, I can also tell you that if myself or the people that are in this building serving this country every single day, doing our very best to help people uh, all across this country and make it better, if at any point we felt uh, that the president was who some of his critics claim him to be, we certainly wouldn't be here. This is a president who uh, is fighting for all Americans, who is putting policies in place that help all Americans, particularly African Americans. Uh, Just look at the economy alone. This president, since he took office in the year and a half that he's been here, has created 700,000 new jobs for African Americans. That's 700,000 African Americans that are working now that weren't working when this president took place. We we, we get the idea here. I mean, and by the way, just a pet peeve. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always uneasy when a president or somebody working for a president says he created hundreds of thousands of jobs. Those jobs are not actually created by a president. Um, You know, maybe a president's economic policies create the economic environment to which, but I mean, these are, these are, I mean, come on. Um, But, uh, but, but Candace, what, 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 I mean, that was my friend Kristen Welker, NBC. I thought, there was a good question of, you know, had she asked the president and, and she hadn't. Asking if she can guarantee anything from Donald Trump is, is a tough question for somebody in, in really any White House, but especially this White House. What's your take of that? It's a very tough question. And, and she was, I mean, truthful in saying that she cannot guarantee who can guarantee anything that someone else has done in their lifetime. I, I think that especially people, Donald Trump. especially Donald Trump. And I, I think people have questions about this. I'll, I'll say something on, on both sides. One, the phrasing of the president's tweet when he invoked Mark Burnett, saying that Mark Burnett called to tell him that there were no tapes. I think a lot of people found very questionable because one might say, well, if you've never said something, why would you even have to worry about the fact that there was a tape? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in, in that in the particular phrasing of that tweet, he sort of dug himself into an even deeper hole, which is obviously why Kristen felt the need to ask that question. But I will say on Omarosa's side. We've seen that uh, she has no qualms about recording. I It is unfathomable to me that if she had heard that tape, that she would not have recorded that tape. It just seems it, I, I cannot imagine a world in which if that tape does exist, she wouldn't have a copy and would not have released it because then that would have put all this to bed. Interesting. Well, 
We have a White House briefing that's going to start in a few minutes. I think I have to hightail it down uh, start uh, running to, now. Uh, <laughs> to the White House. Candace Smith, it's good to be talking politics with you again. Yeah, thank you guys uh, for having you me. You know, come come down and see us. Uh, I know you're <laughs> in that, that rarefied air, Nightline, and uh, doing doing some very serious and excellent journalism. But uh, but we like it when you get in the in the muck with us on, on politics. So oh, it's always you. fun. I miss you guys. And John Santucci. Can I go to uh, Nightline? Can uh, I have a break? You no, know, we're, 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 we're going to keep you around for a while. Oh, maybe, maybe we can do a job share at some oh, point. Oh, great. Uh, okay. All right, that is all the time we have for Powerhouse Politics. My thanks to the entire Powerhouse Politics team, Trevor Hastings, Angie Yak, Avery Miller, and wherever the hell Rick Klein is. uh, Probably uh, gambling. Yeah, I hope you're enjoying your vacation, Rick. Talk to you again soon.